grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Proverbs chapter 9 beginning at the first verse. Notice that the writer here personifies wisdom as if it is a real person. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved out her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has already set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest point in the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To someone who lacks sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine that I have mixed. Abandon your naive ways and live. Travel the road to understanding. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, beginning at the 15th verse. Consider carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise people. Make the most of your time, because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on wine, which causes you to lose control. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your hearts to the Lord, and by always giving thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, beginning at the 51st verse. As I share these words with you from God's holy word, Keep in mind that shortly after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus will actually enter a boat and with his disciples go on to the other side. The people will follow and they will come to Jesus asking for more bread. And Jesus speaks now, takes the opportunity to speak about the fact that he is the bread of life. But as I read these words, it may sound like Jesus is talking about cannibalism. Keep in mind, Eating his flesh and drinking his blood is not cannibalism. It is actually, he's talking about faith, believing in him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. At that, the Jews argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like your fathers ate and died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. This is the gospel. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus, the true bread of life. Amen. The word of God for our consideration is recorded in the Old Testament book of First, First Chronicles, the 29th chapter. We read verses 14 through 18, a portion of King David's prayer at the offering gathered for the future building of the temple. King David prays. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer willingly like this? For everything comes from you. What we have given to you came from your hand. We are aliens and temporary residents before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope of staying. Lord our God, all this abundance, which we have provided for building a house for you, for your holy name, is from your hand. This abundance belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart, and you take pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. Now with joy, I see your people who are present here to bring the offering freely to you. Lord God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, preserve forever this purpose and way of thinking in the heart of your people. Direct their heart to you. This is the word of the Lord, and let us pray. O Lord, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Your fellow believers in Jesus who rejoice in his grace. When King David and the Israelites were given the opportunity to bring forward an offering for the future building of the house of the Lord, the temple, they did not hesitate but with joy and generosity, they brought their offerings forward to the Lord for the building for a house to his name. We get a glimpse into the attitude of King David's heart when we go back to 2 Samuel. There in the account, we learn of how God brought a plague on the children of Israel for a foolish thing that King David had done. He decided to take it upon himself to count the army rather than relying upon the Lord's strength to deliver King David and the Israelites from their enemies. And so in order to end this plague, God commanded King David to build an altar and offer a sacrifice on a plot of ground owned by, by Arauna the Jebusite. And so when King David approached, Arana and asked for this piece of land, Arana was willing to give it to him for free. This piece and plot of ground would become the future site of the building of the temple. But when Arana said, go ahead, have the land, King David replied, I will not offer to the Lord my God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. I will not do it. You see, in a manner of speak, speaking, in the attitude of King David's heart, he was saying, if it costs me nothing, what joy is there in that? Where is the sacrifice in that? It's easy to be generous when it costs us nothing. Think for a moment, if you won the lottery, 
free money, and you decided the wonderful, joyful things you could do for your church with that free money, like perhaps start an endowment fund for the future ministry of the church, or perhaps fund a missionary who could go abroad to East Asia or Africa or Latin America and share the good news of Jesus. But would it give you real joy if it cost you nothing? King David and the Israelites gave generously from their hearts, and as is recorded here, with joy in their hearts. It is noted that King David gave some 3,000 talents of gold and 10,000 talents of silver, what amounts to 110 tons of gold and 260 tons of silver as his offering for the building of the house of the Lord, the temple. Some scholars estimate that it would be about $5 billion in today's currency. Some scholars said that King David really gave all of his possessions for the building of that temple. But here's the question. What motivated King David to be so generous in his heart and the children of Israel to be so generous in their offering for the future building of the temple? They were motivated and they were driven by God's love and his grace. And so let us listen and learn as the Holy Spirit directs us through this word of Scripture to have a joyful and a generous heart. A joyful and a generous heart that responds to the generosity of God's undeserved love in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we get a glimpse into King David's heart in this prayer. King David realized that what he and the Israelites were giving to the Lord was not really giving up something, but they were giving back to the Lord what he had given to them in the first place. God had made King David wealthy. He made him a royal king. He gave him some 110 tons of gold and 260 tons of silver that he freely offered back to the Lord in thanksgiving and joy. And then God said to him, in effect, Go out and be joyful and generous. And that's what King David did. You see, it made more sense to him in his joyful heart to give an offering for the building of the house of the name of the Lord than it did to perhaps build himself a seaside palace. And so listen again to the heart of King David in this prayer. Who am I and who are my people that we are able to offer willingly like this? For everything comes from you. What we have given to you came from your hand. We are aliens and temporary residents before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope of staying. Lord our God, all this abundance which we have provided for you, for building a house for you, for your holy name is from your hand. This abundance belongs to you. King David begins that prayer with a question, who am I? Who is King David? And where would King David be without God's undeserved grace and love in the coming Redeemer and Savior? He would still be a lowly shepherd boy, the youngest of the brothers, with no hope of ever getting up the ladder to be a boss of his own. Where would King David be without God's grace in his life? 
from our history of knowing King David's life, we know that he was an adulterer with Bathsheba. And then he was a murderer, having her husband placed in the front lines to be killed in action to cover up another sin. Where would King David be without the prophet Nathan bringing him to repentance? Well, listen to the words of King David himself in the psalm. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Where would King David be without God's undeserved grace and love to sinners? He would be lost with no hope of heaven. He would have nothing. He would be nothing without God's undeserved love. And so as we consider this section of God's word and where our hearts are at, we ask ourselves the question, who am I without God's undeserved grace and love in Jesus? We would be like a million other people who are without hope and purpose in life, without the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We would be continually checking our social media accounts to see how connected we are to other people. And when we would reflect on all of our mistakes, all of our sins against God, we would be overwhelmed with guilt. And at the end of this thing called life, we would wonder what would lie beyond. And if we knew, we would be even more terrified. But now ask yourself this question. Who are you because of God's undeserved love, his grace in the Lord Jesus Christ? You are a saved and dearly loved child of God, made his own and washed clean of your sins through the sacrament of holy baptism. Yes, King David had it all, didn't he? And so don't you in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have everything in Christ Jesus, as the Apostle Paul reminds us in the New Testament. We are children of God, redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ through the blessed, precious blood that he shed on the cross and the offering of his body into sacrifice for your sins and mine and for the sins of the world. Therefore, we are also heirs of eternal life in heaven. And temporally speaking, God fills our accounts at one time or another in life with gold and silver. And he says to us, go out and be joyful and generous. So like King David and the Israelites, it gives us really more joy in our hearts to perhaps give food, surplus food, to the pantry than it does to perhaps buy a new dress. It brings true joy in our hearts responding to God's grace in our lives to perhaps support and give a scholarship to a student that's studying for the teaching or preaching ministry than it does to perhaps buy a new car. It gives real joy in our hearts when we respond to God's undeserved love to us in the Lord Jesus Christ to perhaps support missionaries who go to share the true news of Jesus and eternal life through him in East Asia and in America. <coughs> and in Latin America, and in Africa, than it does to take a Caribbean cruise. And why is that? Because joyful and generous hearts are driven by, and they respond to, God's generosity 
of his love in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who am I? Who are my people that we are able to offer willingly like this? For everything comes from you. What we have given to you came from your hand. A joyful and a generous heart is driven by God's grace. A joyful and a generous heart also then prioritizes God's kingdom as number one. Listen again as the prayer continues of King David. I know, my God, that you test the heart and you take pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. Now with joy, I see your people who are present here to bring the offerings freely to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, preserve forever this purpose and way of thinking in the heart of your people. Direct their heart to you. You see, the most important thing when it comes to that word called stewardship, or the management of God's resources and the management of our Christian lives to his glory, the most important thing is motivation, more than any amounts. Did you listen to that concluding portion of his prayer for the offering? King David was pointing to the why people gave their offering more than the amount. You take pleasure in uprightness, in the uprightness of my heart. Now I see with joy your people who are present here to bring the offering freely to you. And that is the important thing. The uprightness or the integrity of their hearts. Their hearts were motivated by God's love to them and the promises that were carried down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promise that a Redeemer would come to save God's people. King David would never step foot in the temple built by his son Solomon. He would never see it with his own eyes. But yet he wrote a beautiful psalm and song for its dedication, Psalm 33. And he could well imagine being there in his mind as he wrote in the words of Psalm 27. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon its beauty and to seek him in his temple. So if King David would never set foot in the temple of the Lord, a house built for his holy name, if he would never see the eyes of that beautiful temple, if he would never get direct gain from his offering, then why? Because King David prioritized the kingdom of his Lord. He realized that this house of the Lord would be a place where the proclamation of the Savior God would be spoken for the next generations. And he wanted to make sure that his son Solomon and the children of Israel would stay true to the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would stay true to the word that would be proclaimed there. King David realized that there would be strangers and foreigners that would come to this temple to hear the message of a living God who saves in his love through a coming Redeemer. And isn't that why we have a joyful and generous heart? And the joyful and generous heart, motivated by God's love, prioritizes his kingdom. 
the founding brothers and sisters of Salem Lutheran Congregation here in Colorado Springs constructed a house of the Lord, a temple of the Lord. Not just to have a building to take pride in, but for what is proclaimed here. And as you say in the history of your website, in each paragraph, after the pastor has completed his ministry, the word of God was proclaimed in its truth and purity. That's prioritizing God's kingdom. A joyful and generous heart prioritizes God's kingdom as you carry on and support the ministry of your pastor so that he can faithfully preach and teach the whole counsel of God's word and comfort the sick. A joyful and a generous heart supports the teaching of God's word for your children, youth, and adults so that you can grow in the grace and the knowledge of God's word. And a joyful and generous heart prioritizes God's kingdom so that you can join with some 1,200 congregations in our Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod so that this news of a Savior God can be proclaimed throughout the world. That is a joyful and generous heart that prioritizes God's kingdom as number one. Imagine what God can do and how he can bless us and how he does bless us when Christian hearts are motivated by his undeserved love in Jesus. A joyful and generous heart is driven and it naturally responds to God's undeserved love to us in Jesus. And a joyful and generous heart prioritizes God's kingdom as number one. As David prayed, so we pray, Lord God, give us such a joyful and generous heart and keep that heart directed to you in your grace, proclaimed faithfully in your word and through the sacraments. Amen. And now may he who began a good work in you carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.